Hello and welcome. You're listening to It's a Groom's Life with Carly O'Brien. Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of It's a Groom's Life. Today with me I have Jenny Winterleach, who you may have heard of, you've probably seen her on Instagram, she has her own podcast, so if you've not seen her you may have heard her through your ears on her podcast. Um, So hi Jenny, how are you doing? Hi, I'm great, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Oh, pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. I really, really do appreciate it. Um, So for people who may not know you or don't know what you do, would you mind introducing us and just telling us um, an introduction of what you do? Yeah, sure. So um, I run Flying Changes Mindset. Um, Not the people that make the jackets. Uh, We work with brains. Um, (laughs) And I work with people from grassroots all the way up to Grand Prix, as I say. So all the way through every level, every possible discipline you could possibly imagine. Um, Anyone who just really wants to overcome their mental blockers and you know enjoy their riding and get the kind of performance and the results they want in whatever that might be so because mm. everyone's so totally different mm. so yeah that's what I do really I work with brains oh brilliant and so how did that all come about is it always something that you've wanted to do or what your previous experiences has that sort of led you to what you want to do now yeah so as with a lot of stories like this um it evolved uh, so essentially i popped out the womb in a non-horsey family needing to be around them and no one understood why pestered my parents until I was seven years old they finally got me some riding lessons and then spent years pestering for lessons and just trying to grab rides as often as I could so I've always been into horses I was never part of pony club I was never like able to compete or anything like that I would literally just beg steal and borrow rides for as long as I could um and I was always told there's no money in horses don't get involved in horses you know you're you're academic you can do school stuff you should get a proper job whatever that is so I did so you know I did all the usual stuff and I went and got a degree and, and I got a proper job and I started in the corporate world and I did really well in the corporate world and I accelerated really really fast and I ended up in a global global role as a global consultant in something called talent management which is a function of HR and it was all about developing people and making them even better at what they did and whilst I was doing all of that I was also learning and training in equine assisted therapy equine assisted coaching in um, something called neuro-linguistic program NLP Um, and I was learning all of that stuff outside of work it was nothing to do with with work but what was happening in my job is I was burning out I was absolutely burning out I just I just wasn't enjoying it I was traveling all over the world when I did get to see my horse I had to put her onto full livery and then when I did get to see her she didn't really want to be around me because I was like stressed and annoyed and horrid we were trying to compete in dressage but our scores were actually just getting worse and worse and worse and it was all going downhill and I, and I just I had a, a a very good friend at the time who was a coach who worked with chronic fatigue and and all of that stuff and she said to me Jen I can see where this is heading if you don't change it you're going to be where I was a few years ago pretty much like bed bound unable to do anything miserable everything's going to go down the pan um, and you don't want to do that do you <laughs> so no. I was like uh, no. no so she helped helped to coach me to set up the business that I love and adore which is to help other people to overcome confidence and you know to perform at their best and and that with their horses and you know I've been through so many confidence crises in my life and I've had good performances and really terrible ones and you know we're all just trying to navigate something that no one gives us a handbook to which is how our brain works so yeah that's kind of how I got into it so that was nine years ago now that I gave up the full-time corporate job and set up flying changes and it's gone through many iterations and it looks completely different now to what it did when I started yeah yeah 
yeah and you know I mean I've had throughout this sort of um series of the the episodes that I've done recently there's been loads of talk about mental health and, and mindset and stuff like that and how it's all connected like um and so from your experience especially obviously with the equestrian world and stuff um regardless sort of what standard level level riding they are do you still find this a common thread of what sort of um obstacles people are having or blocks that people are having yeah, absolutely. I mean, a classic example is one of my riders, Felicity Collins. She's just done her first badminton, five star, not, not the grassroots. I had clients doing that as well. Um, she did her first badminton. And when we were getting her ready for it, we were using a lot of very similar stuff that I use with other people as well. But afterwards, the debrief, the most um, fascinating part about it was that before she went cross country, she had to just do it step by step by step because it was just overwhelming the thought yeah. of going around badminton and she did she completed it she completed the cross country she only had a few time faults but she went clear and then she was one of the first double clears of the whole event um you know she's 24 years old so for someone at that level i mean that really is the pinnacle of eventing you know to be double clear around badminton and actually she got 21st place as well which was just the cherry on top mm. But it was the same thing that we were working on with someone that I'd be working on at a B90 or to get around their first show jumping round or their first dressage test, for instance, you know. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. It doesn't matter what level you're at. Your brain is still very much patterning in, in similar ways. There are some occasional nuances that come in but the thing that I found with over the many years and the many, many people I've worked with is the same patterns are running. But the difference is that we're not, given a training manual to the brain we're not really taught how our brain works it's not part of school it's not part of you know per, it's part of personal development which a lot of people never even get into and they don't realize that when we start to understand how our brain works we can start to um harness it to its best effects and get get great stuff out of it rather than just getting annoyed with it when it's doing a load of random stuff that we'd really rather wouldn't yeah and with a question or question or raw people, um, we're quite a hardy breed. We're quite a <laughs> keep calm, carry on, you know, don't moan, don't, you know, always put the horses first, um, et cetera, et cetera. So what do you think, um, why do you think, do you think it's because we have that sort of mentality where we just go, well, just got to crack on and do it, just got to crack on and do it and not actually deal with the problem that we might, have underlying and do you, yeah, think, it's, it's, do you think it's pressures with where do you think the pressures are coming from well I think interesting enough if you look at where horse riding really started it started in the military so it started with that concept of you've got to just crack on you've got to crack on with it there's no room for fear there's no room for any of that and then of course it's evolved very much over the kind of couple of centuries really to be honest into what is now very much a leisure pursuit and equally an elite sport um, and so I think, you know, it's definitely a lot better now with the quality of coaching and a lot of coaches are wanting to learn about mindset and I train them and things as well. And, you know, um, now that we're starting to understand how the brain works and how we need to work with it and how it can work against us, that's now changing. But I think traditionally the kind of like crack on, get on with it, that emotion can't be a part of it now. We do definitely have to be aware that emotion does affect our horses and we don't want to be like hugely emotional all the time with everything. But we also when you start to suppress something and you start to really control it, the analogy that I use is it's um, it's like a champagne bottle. Obviously, I love the analogy around champagne. Um, <laughs> 
we we we've got this bottle and it's kind of you know it's got emotion in it and that's fine and we're walking around with it and it's kind of getting shaken up a bit but it's fine because there's room in the bottle it's not going to overflow but every time we don't deal with something or every time we're told to just crack on and not worry about it or every time we think we can't talk something through or every time we run something over and over and over in our heads or what have you we're adding into that champagne bottle and eventually it gets full so then we have to whack this cork on it. Then we have to put one of those metal things on top of the cork to try and hold it in. And then we're walking around with this bottle that's getting shaken and shaken and shaken and the pressure is building. And then, of course, what happens is we have one of these reactions that is completely unrelated and out of kilter with what actually happens. So, you know, our horse might have just like done something really minor but we have this massive overreaction and then we think oh my god I'm worried that that's going to happen again and that's when people label themselves as stressy or you know they say they've you know got massive anxiety problems or all these things that are going on because actually they think that they've got an anger issue or whatever and it's like no you just no one's ever taught you how to just quietly unload that bottle so it can fill up and unload and fill up and unload and this that's what resilience is so a word that gets banded around a lot is resilience and resilience isn't bottling it up and saying I'll be fine you know stiff up a lip off we Mm, go and all of that that's not resilience that's actually what will break you and I very much learned this going through burnout in the corporate world I had to then learn to be resilient especially running a business on my own you know you have to be massively resilient and roll with the punches and and equally in riding it's exactly the same because even when we're growing great and everything's going well something happens with a horse you know but I don't think it's really a topic that's truly understood in the horse world as to what resilience is because resilience is not just cracking on regardless Mm -hmm. you know resilience is being able to discuss things having support in the right place understanding your brain having some tools that help offloading the right things at the right time going and having a shout in the middle of a field because actually you just need to let something out at that point you know and it's all about knowing the appropriate place and the appropriate way to do something so that we don't then have an inappropriate reaction and like rip a new one out of someone in that moment or our horse you know because we're so angry Mm. about something Mm. and then people are like oh you can't do that so then you suppress it even more yeah and where do you think um, the pressures come from originally like I'm trying to think like when I was a child and when you're riding now I mean I know like a big part in today's world is probably social media um but like you still put pressures on yourself thinking I'm not giving my horse the best ride and I'm not doing this and I should be doing this better and my you know my horse isn't doing this but that person's horse is doing this and there's so many like um compact like we're comparing ourselves so many so much so where do you think that all stems from like originally has it always do you think it has always been there and we just casually just accepted it and it's just gradually got worse over the time I think because our hobby is a very emotional one we love and adore our horses and our animals you know it's not a tennis racket it's not a bike you know we can't go oh that one's broken don't worry I'll trade it in for a new one um you know we love and adore these animals and they are sentient beings and they give it back to us so I think it's very emotionally fueled to begin with before we do anything And then I think there's also an awful lot in the horse world of different ways of doing things. Now, there's not right and wrong. There's different and they clash. And, you know, some people are they've they've found a way of doing something that's worked for them. And so they're evangelical about that way. And then so nothing else is good enough. And then we start comparing ourselves to, you know, theirs is right. and We're wrong and all of that. And then social media is an interesting one because 
yes okay yes social media has definitely exacerbated some things but it's always been there we have always mm. compared ourselves to others you know mm. we've always seen other people at competitions we've always seen other people riding we've always read horse and hound you know things like that that were around before social media and things and actually the the, the interesting thing about people blaming everything on social media social media is not the problem it's again, it's this concept of resilience and understanding comparison and understanding imposter syndrome and all these things that are actually going on for us. All it means is it's more easily accessible and yeah. and we are more likely to go down those routes now. But it's not the problem. The problem is the fact that we read something. And we think it's true. And we think that that person's life is that rosy and there's never any problems because they never post the bad stuff or the people that only ever post the bad stuff. And you think, good God, you know, that poor person, it must be terrible because they chosen to be honest in inverted yeah. commas but they're not they're still doing that for attention because essentially if you look at social media um and influencers particularly i've got nothing against influencers and i work with a lot of them obviously but if you think about what they have to do they have to get attention they have to get engagement and they have to put stuff that gets shared and liked and you know all of that sort of thing out there so what are they going to do are they going to put stuff that's bland and vanilla no of course they're not they're going to put things that get attention somehow now if they're doing really super well in something then them doing super well is going to get that but if they're not they're going to find a route somehow that's going to be their uniqueness that is the way they get people to engage with them and then of course they have to then keep doing that because they because they get sponsors and sponsors yeah. pay the money to do things so then they have to then fulfill the duty for the sponsors and then and then you end up in a cycle. And I, I personally think it's actually, you know, you have to be very, very careful in that world because there are a lot of people that want to be an influencer because they want free stuff or they want money or they want whatever it is that they want. But unfortunately, what they don't realise is that there is no way out. And that once you're in that world, you have to keep doing things mm. to get the attention. Mm. And then and you can't be as real as everyone likes to be, you know. So we're surrounded by that, which is manufactured. And then we go, oh, it must be real because they say, oh, I only put reality out there. Well, they don't. They still put curated content, as we all do. We don't yeah. put our whole life out on the Internet. We curate no. it. So comparison and pressure, I think it's always been there. You know, we put a lot of energy, effort, time, emotion into this sport. We want to feel it's being paid back. If we only ever look at competition results as the, as the payback, then that starts to become an issue. If we're able to look at different things like, was it fun? Did I enjoy it? Have I developed? Have I learned something? That's a much healthier way of looking at things. But if we then start looking on social media and, and thinking that that's in any way real, we're going to have a problem because it's just not. Yeah. And what would your, like, um, sort of say every, I mean, obviously, if someone's having, like, a real confidence issue or having lots of like mindset blocks and things like that obviously the best or ideal way is to like invest in someone to help them and support them but for like everyday sort of wobbles I guess it might be the great terms do you have any like tips where people could use if they're having a bit of a wobble and they're just having a bit of a moment and they're just either feeling a little bit slightly overwhelmed or they're feeling a little bit upset whilst they're riding or when they're just about to get onto their horse and they're maybe feeling a little bit anxious do you have any tips at all um i do i think all of those different things have different tips um so let's take the anxious one as an example mm. so if we think what is fear what is anxiety what it is is the brain has already decided the outcome and decided it's going to be a negative one Mm. So that and, and fear and anxiety is the mechanisms that the brain puts in place to try and prevent that outcome from happening. Yeah. 
Okay, so when we're feeling fearful or anxious, which is just slightly lower level than full blown fear, it's we have to think from we have to pause and think, hang on a minute. Why has my brain visualized because it's normally a picture? Mm. Why has my brain visualized that being the outcome? And these are what we call the what ifs, because the brain goes, well, what if this happens? And what Mm. if that happens in a negative way? Mm. But if you could just pause for a moment and go, hang on, what if it goes well? What if we're able to complete it? What if we can just take, like Felicity had to do at Babington, one step at a time? Mm -hmm. What what is the next step? The next step is put your foot in the stirrup. What is the next step? Next step, swing your leg over. What is the next step? Breathe, pick up your reins what is the next step just take the next step because one of the things that happens when we're being fearful is we've gone off and visualized that outcome Mm. and we've then focused on it and then what happens is because we then focused on it our body gets ready for our our horse then picks up on all of that and it generally Mm. happens and our brain goes see told you so yeah so I think anxiety is always about being in the present moment and just saying you know what in this moment I'm fine yeah. this moment i'm okay that thing has not happened thank you very much brain for trying to keep me safe actually it could be a good outcome mm-hmm. you know most of the time we get on our horses because we want to enjoy it yeah. so there's the possibility in our head that that could be the case so we have to remind ourselves of that you know yeah yeah if we genuinely 100 percent believe that the terrible thing was going to happen we just wouldn't get on yeah we'd be like uh no thanks i'm all right actually yeah yeah exactly but, So there is enough of a possibility in our brain that it's not going to. So we have to kind of accept that. So that's how I would say sort of like a teeny, 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 tiny way of dealing with fear and anxiety. Now, this is all like symptom stuff. So this is all like plaster, stick a plaster on it and you'll be all right. So this is all like short term symptomatic stuff. What we have to remember, though, is this is the conscious brain working. What really happens, all this stuff really happens from our unconscious patterning, the stuff that's going on below the surface that's causing these fears. And that actually you can only get rewired by an expert like that. Mm. That isn't really stuff that you can do on your own at a conscious level because your own brain gets in your own way. Yeah. So that would be the fear and anxiety one. What was another example that you were saying? Uh, if you're feeling maybe a bit upset, like something's upset you, um, maybe before you got on to ride, you're not going to be on the, you're not going to be in the right um, mind frame to or frame. What's that? you know what I mean you're not going to be in the yeah, frame of mind yeah <laughs> frame of mind so yeah um when you're upset you're not really going to be paying attention to what you're doing so maybe just trying to sort of not suppress because we obviously don't really want to suppress feelings but a way of sort of like managing it and yeah, concentrating yeah. with the task that you're going to do yeah so before I address that one I think the comment that you made was quite interesting which is we don't really want to suppress feelings well actually we can't be like going around like crying and you know um or even being too excited and stuff all the time because our horse will pick up on that so sometimes actually we do need to go now is not the time for this yeah because I'm about to go and have a lesson and actually going in like an emotional ball of energy whether that be high energy low energy whatever you want to call it isn't going to be your most helpful um because apart from anything else you probably your adrenaline will come up and then you won't be able to concentrate and then you you do what we call fill the slots in the brain up and then you can't learn anyway so you're actually right in that if you are literally about to go and do something and you're in what we call an emotional state, which means like literally a state of mind that isn't helpful in that moment, you do need to change it quickly in that moment. That's really important being able to do that. And then later on, when you can reflect or you've got some time or you're not with your horse, which is when the, this stuff really works, mm. then you can go and deal with the bigger element of it. of Like, what was that all about? Where did it come from? So in the moment, if you are, um, you need to concentrate better or you need to be in the right frame of mind or you've had a stressful day at work and you need to just chill. I would um, 
find the way for you that allows you to be what we call present, which means in the moment and just go, right, hang on. I'm here now with my horse. And it might be that you need a bit longer to groom them and, and just be with them. Or it might be that you are very mindful in the way that you tack up. So you stop the thoughts running about what happened yesterday or what's going to happen later. And you just say in this moment, what's the thing that I'm doing right now? You know, right, I'm putting the bridle on, I'm doing the things up, I'm, you know, putting the saddle on, whatever it is. Um, another great one is um, breathing. Like everyone goes, oh, just breathe. But there are actually really good breathing techniques you can do before you get anxious and nervous that will help you to stop getting towards that point. And that is like, you know, just breathe in for three, pause, breathe out for free, for instance. And in concentrating on something physical, your brain isn't able to be in two places at once. It can't mm. be in the future, the past and the present mm. at the same time. It can only really be in one place, which is why mindfulness is, you know, so commonly talked about in news now, because it just helps us get into the headspace of where am I now? What's going on right now? And that's quite a good way of, you know, clearing your mind. You can't ever clear your mind, by the way. That is an absolute fallacy. But you can yeah. be concentrating on what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. so that's another good one if you want to kind of leave things behind or stop worrying about the future another great one if let's say you've had a bad lesson or a bad lesson I say in inverted comments again there but if you've had a lesson that hasn't gone as well as you'd like or you know a competition or something the time to reflect is not the time when you're in the emotionally charged part of it so you know when you're annoyed or upset or angry or even if you're on a high actually if it's gone really well that's not the time to reflect on it weirdly enough because you're going to put all the emotion into it and then you're looking at emotion and not fact mm -hmm. and if you want to improve at something we look at the top athletes they don't go oh that was good they go right I did that well I did this well and I did that well so they're looking at fact because you can't replicate good but you can replicate the elements that make up good mm -hmm. you can say right well you know I had I had my leg on, I had them into my hand, I had the right amount of flexion, I had what you know, good canter, I had the rhythm right, whatever it is. You can then repeat that stuff with skills, but you can't repeat that was great or that was bad, you know? Yeah. Um, so reflection is an important one, but just how you reflect. Again, all of this stuff is like people talk about concepts, but a lot of people are doing it in a way that's not the most helpful because they haven't actually learned a good way of doing it. Um, and then another one is something called perspective. So sometimes we get involved in something because we're looking at it from our perspective out of our own eyes, funnily enough, because where else would you, you know, mm. and our own stuff's getting in the way and our own stories are playing and, you know, we're seeing the other person from our own perspective, particularly, you know, with the horse, you can do this one or with an instructor or with someone on the yard or something like that. Just pause for a moment and, and take their perspective think what must it be like to be them in that moment dealing with me you know and sometimes when you can take that perspective and just have a little bit of empathy or thought about what might be going on for them or how I maybe came across to them or you know that kind of thing we can gain some information and then we can take it another step further and do what we call the third person perspective which means to look at it like a bystander like it had been recorded and put on tv and looking at yourself and the other person involved or the horse or whatever it is and thinking, what would I think if I was a, an onlooker at that situation? What would I think was going on? What information can I glean? And that one's really, really helpful with things like yard politics or, you know, disagreements or times when you think your horse was doing something and blah, blah, blah. That, that's a really great little way of, of thinking like pause, look at it from another way. So yeah. basically everything starts with pause. <laughs> Stop for a moment, 
and pause. That's what everything starts with. Yeah. And yeah, I love those ideas and those tips. And like you say, it's, it's definitely much more um, uh, more detailed and, you know, there's more things that you need to go into. But for general tips, I think that was a great, great starting point anyway. Um, and I wanted to ask you um, from when you sort of started like nine years ago to how it is now, do you have you noticed any um, differences from how, you know, your clients were um say at the beginning when you first started to what they are now and, and what are the differences? Yeah, huge ones. I think the biggest difference that I've noticed is that when I started, people were convinced that in order to feel more confident or capable on a horse, you had to coach them when they were on the horse. Mm. They were absolutely convinced that basically it was all about skills. Even though I was doing mindset coaching, they were still it was still very, very hard to get people to understand that you do this stuff off the horse. Mm. Because actually, when you're on the horse, you're concentrating on riding. You're not able to, to do the mindset stuff. Yeah. So that has been a big shift. And to be fair, the pandemic did help with that as well, because obviously a lot of people weren't able to go and compete or train or even, you know, I couldn't go and see my horse for eight weeks. I was locked out. Um, and so we suddenly had a lot of time on our hands and we we then became um, happy with the concept of Zoom, video call. I mean, I used to do that stuff internationally anyway, but getting people in the UK to do it was like pulling teeth. And of course, so the pandemic in that respect made a big shift for people because suddenly now the, the concept of joining a Zoom call is quite normal. Mm. People are quite happy with online learning. Um you know, the thought of, of not being with your horse at the time now is 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 acceptable. So I yeah. think that's been a big shift for sure. People are now realising that to get the best out of your brain, you need to not be in the environment, actually. You know, being in a different environment is actually beneficial completely. Mm-hmm. In fact, essential, I would now say. So that's changed. I think it's difficult for me to say whether people are now more aware of this or not. I think they definitely are. But of course, I've been doing nothing but making people aware of it for nine years yeah so it's my whole world so of course therefore I'm going to notice more people when they are aware of it because they're coming to me or you know we're engaging I do think it obviously has become a bigger thing you know people are now much happier to talk about the concept of mindset you know my book came out and it's gone crazy because people are like they're they're open to it now you know um and actually people have been quite happily gifting the book to other people or recommending it to others publicly and things it's not this kind of like little thing that you squirrel away and you know oh we can't talk about mindset we can't talk about emotion we can't talk about you know that we might not be okay um and then I I think the other thing that's really changed as well is the the concept now that coaches are much more involved in this and they want to know about this you know they Mm -hmm. want to know about psychology I run a licensed coach course I know there's some other really great ones out there as well and that's made a huge difference I think in our industry yeah definitely I do find in general sort of mental health or mindfulness or anything that you want to talk about it I think I think generally in the world obviously we're talking about mental health a lot more and I think within question world I think we're definitely sort of there's still like things that we need to um this this you know we still need to be a little bit more open but I feel like we are opening up a lot more and we're kind of sort of saying actually I'm not okay or actually I'm I'm quite anxious today or actually I'm, I'm not feeling very good today um and being okay to say that um yeah before you you wouldn't have said that because you think oh god they're going to judge me they're going to think that I'm not mentally capable of looking after my horse or anything like that but where now I think 
everyone is being a little bit more accepting that if you are having a bad day or a bad time in your mental health that that's okay and you yeah I agree do to get through it and then come out the other side stronger and I think that's the point that's the key point is you do what you've got to do to come out stronger which means you've got to skill yourself up basically Mm. because if you've gotten to that point it means that you've either had skills that aren't working or you haven't got the right skills yeah because the thing about mental health is when you have got the toolbox just like physical skills you know when you've got the toolbox and you've done the learning and you understand it you're much more likely to be able to do something about it for yourself and I think this is where we've just got to be a little bit careful and I'm going to be a bit controversial here is that we don't don't start using it as an excuse of oh, my mental health bad. You know, it's the same as physical health. No one is going to go through life without getting ill at some point. Like it's yeah. going to happen, even if it's a cold or flu or something like that. You're going to. But what you don't do is you go, oh, I've got a flu, so that's it. You know, um, I'm always going to have this now. You go, oh, no, what do I need to do to help me get through this? What medicine do I need to take? What, yeah. um, you know, what what tools do I need? And, and they're readily available because you either buy them over the counter or you make them at home or whatever. And people go, oh, look, you need some support to get better. You don't get stuck with it. And I think that's exactly the same with mental health. No one is ever going to go through life without having problems at some point. But the ones that are able to be resilient and bounce back are the ones that go and find the toolbox, you know, the medicine cabinet. And I don't mean literally drugs in that respect. You know, they have their place. But I mean, go and find the way of dealing with this, understanding it, knowing where it's come from. We've all got wounds. We have all at some point experienced wounds or trauma. And it doesn't have to be physical. It could be mental, emotional. And it's all relative. So just because someone seems they've had an easy life compared to someone else, it doesn't matter. Their brain will still see stuff that someone else doesn't think is hard as hard because they haven't experienced different things and and that's you know that's it isn't it one horse is different to another horse one human is different to another human and we have to be okay with that so I think you're right I think it's much better that we now at least are more open about talking about that it's okay not to be okay but it's also not okay to not be okay to use that as an excuse to stay stuck there to go around blaming everyone else for it and not actually you know open up whatever you need to open up in the toolbox and, and use it and if you don't know what's in the toolbox you need to learn it yeah Oh, absolutely. And obviously you've mentioned there about like your book and obviously I mentioned your podcast. So let's quickly sort of talk about that. So talk us about your book, like what is your book about? How did it come about? How long has it been around? Tell us all about that. Yeah. So the book is called Dream It, Do It, Love It. And the tagline is how to overcome mental blockers and fall back in love with horse riding again, because that's the main thing that I've found is that a lot of people have been coming to me and going, you know nothing's actually happened in my riding from a skills perspective but I've fallen out of love I'm finding it really difficult I'm not enjoying it I'm finding it stressful it's you know it's my hobby and I just don't feel I'm getting anything back from it or it's just really hard or they're you know more professional riders that are like I'm having a blip and I really need to get over this this is not okay um so the book is all about dream it is all about you know understanding what you really do want like what is the dream and why why have you put a cap on it why have you changed it why are you not going for it so I don't want to call it goal setting because that's really boring and bland it's all about understanding how you use your conscious and your unconscious mind for good Mm. then the do it funnily enough is like it's all very well having a dream but a dream is just a um a goal with no action yeah. you know yes yeah, just an idea and lots of people have dreams and they waste their time dreaming about them but if you don't take any action to get towards them it's just wasted so do it is about action you know what actions do you need to take what do you need to overcome and that's really about fear 
That's all about what stops our action, actually, because fear is always the thing that stops action because um, otherwise we'd all just be doing it. Right. We'd all be doing it. So it does look at skills and things as well, because that's very much a part of it. And then love it. Funnily enough, is about like (laughs) you may not enjoy this. Like (laughs) Even the professionals are doing it because they want to enjoy it. Like it's not an easy career option, is it? Let's face it. Anyone that decides to have horses or work with horses does it because they're passionate and they love them and they want to enjoy it. And they put a lot of time and effort and energy. So that's the three elements of the book is, is very much about that. And, you know, I've been overwhelmed by the incredible um testimonials and things that people have written to me I've I've been told that it's really well written so even people with autism and um, dyslexia have found it really easy to read which is nice mm-hmm. um you know I've had people that have binge read it through the night and their husbands have come down at two in the morning and said what are you doing they said oh, I'm just trying to finish this book you know <laughs> I've had people that have read half the book and it's transformed something already for them and they think it's brilliant you know I'm I'm blown away with this book. It's been in my head for a couple of years. And you know what it's like, isn't it? People always go, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to write a book. But actually, as with everything in life, when you get a coach or you get someone behind you or you get the right system in place, I met someone in January who said, you need to do a book. And I went, yeah, I know, I've been told this. They got me to get the book written to published in a month and a half. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Crazy. And that was because we put in a system I followed the system, I had the support, and I understand what I needed to do. And it's the same with mindset, right? You need a system, you need the support, you need to like have someone pushing you and, and know what you've got to do. And then things can happen. So yeah, so that's the book. Absolutely love it. It's obviously available on Amazon. Um, but it's just people are, and it's easy to read, it's very conversational. There's some exercises to do in it and things as well. You know, it's not a um, it's not like a textbook. Um, and there's lots of sort of case study stories and all sorts of bits in it as well I poured lots of love into it good and so you should (laughs) (laughs) and then lastly I wanted to talk about your podcast as well um like tell us like about your podcast what is the podcast about um and yes tell us all about it so it's very similar to yours in the way that I pick people that I love to chat to and chat to them on the podcast so it's uh, there's about there's nearly 100 interviews on there now um from people in all different realms there's a few non-questions in there as well if they had an interesting story about resilience or mindset in business or things like that because of course I run a business so I'm always interested in business side of things as well as the riding um and it's called hack your mindset with Jenny and it's about that. It's, it's about just lots and lots of stories and interviews and, and awesome people. I've had John T. Evans on there. I've had Caroline Moore on there. I've had, um, oh, I'm trying to think of the well-known ones now. And actually some of the least well-knowns have been brilliant. Like a guy called Ed Creamer, he's a, a dressage rider. And he opened up on that podcast about all sorts of things, to do with depression and all these things. And in the podcast, he turned around and went, I've never told anyone this before. Wow. You know, and it was it was just incredible to, to sort of guide him through. And, it, it, you know, we kept joking. I mean, I did his ages ago before the book was a book. And I kept joking again. Oh, well, that was chapter one. Oh, that was chapter two. That's chapter three. Because <laughs> because uh, the way that he dealt with stuff was like textbook. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. how you do it. Sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And so it's just it's just full of me interviewing other people. Uh, future episodes are going to be me chatting about the theory of mindset and things as well. But we're sort of rehashing it and then we'll, we're going to relaunch it. So it's it's there's nothing. Uh, new in there at the moment but there are 100 episodes nearly I think so um, you know it's plenty on there at the moment if people want to go in and have a listen oh excellent and then 
this last part of the podcast, I kind of just leave it as an open space. So if there's something that you want to talk about that we may not have covered yet, um, or if you've got any promotions on or anything like that, then this is sort of your open space to talk about anything that you like. Cool. Um, yeah, so I think the main thing that I like to tell people about is my mastermind course. Um, the name might be changing in the future. So if anyone's listening into this, it might have changed names, but um, it's a 12 week course so a three-month program and it's um it's exactly what we've been talking about we go through all the conscious and the unconscious stuff it talks about the theory because you do need to know the theory of mindset but equally more importantly i actually do the rewiring with people so um we do what's called content free which means you don't tell your story to anyone because if you retell it you relive it mm-hmm. so you 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 get guided through exercises and your brain fills in the gaps and then it, and we rewire stuff. So we change past trauma. We get rid of fear. We 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 um, get rid of the stuff that's limiting you and holding you back um, on the on the program. And it's awesome. And I love it. And we've had, you know, so, so many people go through it in the last year now. They've just had incredible, amazing transformation. So just wanted to mention that because obviously that's something that if people are thinking, I do need some help. You know, is there something available? Obviously, there's the book, but the mastermind program really is is the one that 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 does it really and again I've been blown away I'm, I'm quite often blown away by things I put something together and I think yeah I think this could be quite good and then I launch it and people are like wow this is amazing and I'm like is it is it is it really <laughs> you know because because to me I just kind of think oh well you know this is the stuff you've got to be doing I've been doing it for so long now I'm happy and people are like oh my god it's amazing I've never heard of it before and I think oh yeah I forgot that I forgot <laughs> that I think this is mainstream and it's not yeah you know yeah. I think gosh this is the basics and it's really not yeah. Um, so yeah. So so thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about that. But if people want to know more about Mastermind, they just need to go to the website and um, book a call or or get one of our free downloads and things to know more. Lovely. Okay. And then I finish off with some quick fire questions. So generally, are you a night in or a night out person? Oh. I used to be a mega night out person. I was a proper, proper party girl. Yeah. Um, but now running a business, competing on the squads for, you know, Team GB in working rotation, uh, you know, doing loads of other things. I'm a night in girl now. I went out <laughs> last night. We went out for a really amazing meal. It was absolutely lovely. But I've shattered today. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry. Night in now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> tea or coffee? Tea. Wellies or heels? Oh, that's a toughie. Oh, I am a 50-50 on that. Depends. Depends what you're going to do. I know. Oh, no, I can't decide on that one. No, that's fine. I'll let you have both. Uh, (laughs) Sweets or savoury? Or chocolate. Uh, Book or film? Film. I find reading really hard. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, are there sort of any films that you've watched recently that you recommend or do you have a favourite film? Oh, do you know, I love I love rom-coms, to be honest. A film that I'd recommend, no, not really. You probably wouldn't watch half of what I watch. I love things like, I like Love Actually and, yeah. you know, that, that, that kind of thing. Because for me, when I watch, sit down to watch a film, I just want switch off brain chewing gum time. And yeah, a little yeah. bit of feel good, Hugh Grant, can't go yeah. wrong, really. <laughs> can't go wrong with a Richard Curtis film. It's always exactly. good at the end. That's it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then lastly, where can we find you? Can you tell us your website, your social media handles, like anywhere we can find you? Yep. So website is flyingchangesmindset.co.uk. Instagram is flyingchangescoach. 
because I couldn't fit mindset in. There's too many characters, which is annoying. So Flying Changes Coach on Instagram. And then on um, Facebook, Flying Changes Mindset is the page to follow. And then if you want to join our free group, it's called the Empowered Equestrians Community. You have to put it in exactly like that. So Empowered Equestrians with an S community. And that's the free group where we do challenges. I go live. We answer questions. We do check-ins. And it's a really awesome, lovely group that's really like supports each other and but doesn't whinge and moan, just kind of cracks on and, you know, helps each other out. And then I come in and help people if there's specific things they need. Lovely. Well, thank you so much, Jenny, for your time and telling us all your tips and everything like that. I really, really appreciate all your time. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Oh, pleasure. And as always, guys, if you love this episode, uh, please screenshot and share it to stories and tag Jenny and I. We'd love to know that you're listening and I'll speak to you all on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it as I did making it. If you um, like to follow me on socials, my um, Instagram is Cobbs Equine Services and the same on Facebook, Cobbs Equine Services. Um, if you are listening to this on your um, Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast, I really appreciate it if you could leave me a review as it gets um, other people to highlight the um, episodes to other people. And I will speak to you all on the next episode.